called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome back to the official Bizzlecast reaction and discussion of the second uh, major and probably final Han Solo trailer, which has people way more excited than before. We're going to get into that. I'm here with Jedi Geek Girl. Uh, Jedi Geek Girl, uh, welcome back really quickly. Um, I just want to point out for the listeners that I feel like you and I were going out on a limb saying this movie was going to be amazing in our last podcast about this. And look at everybody jumping on the bandwagon now. Jedi Geek Girl, welcome. Thank you for having me on. I know that I am really looking forward to this film and I am glad that people are starting to see the appeal of this film because this film is going to be a wild ride. And oh my God, Morlando, please. Oh my God. So... <laughs> uh hashtag lando is jedi geek girl's waifu um yeah we yeah. We, we have to go there i love yeah. lando yeah. give me that lando yeah yeah i wish i had some i wish i had someone in the star wars universe i could be that in love with it's really really a shame um <laughs> poor thing poor yeah. thing Although, just really quickly, and Rogue One might come up, because again, I like tying together the Star Wars stories, because I have a feeling Han Solo is going to be up there with Rogue One among my favorite Star Wars movies, because I love everything set in that time period, and the aesthetic, and stuff like that. We'll get into all those details. People, we're also going to do not a shot-by-shot breakdown, sort of, but uh, talking about some of the highlights of the trailer. We're going to run through it, and uh, hopefully using my mad wizard uh, uh, editing skills, because they are super wizard, um, I'm going to (laughs) put some sound clips from the trailer uh short ones in uh in our discussion so you can actually hear amelia clark and donald glover and so forth um uh, as we talk about those lines really quickly though jedi geek girl to get the discussion going here i w- i made a joke at the beginning but honestly we were extremely positive at the first one and we were upset that other people weren't positive at the same time we were hopeful that people would come around and i have not seen a jump in excitement in a trailer um of this magnitude from the first to the second really since rogue one um after the rogue one reshoots people were very cynical not knowing literally anything about what actually went on in the rogue one reshoots and the final rogue one trailer if you watch now and people's reactions people love the final rogue one trailer and that's part of why it made over a billion dollars at the box office so i'll ask you the reverse of what i asked you first in our han solo reaction after my eagles won the super bowl in early february Back then, I asked you if your sense was that a lot of Star Wars fans were kind of down on Han Solo. Do you think it's reversed? Because my feeling is even the cynical Star Wars podcasters that I occasionally listen to and so forth seem to be really uh, amped about this movie. Um, Thoughts? I think people are starting to finally realize that this film is going to be the film that they wanted from the Legends universe. When I saw this trailer and rewatching it, I noticed a lot of beats that would be classified as legend material. Mm-hmm. And with it being such a beloved character leading the movie, I think that people are going to be pleasantly surprised how much they like this film. And unlike Rogue One and the Saga film, this film isn't really confined to get to a certain point because, yes, Han 
Chewie and Lando all have to somehow build their relationship. The Falcon has to change hands. But for the most part, the story is wide open. Hmm. At the end of Rogue One, you know, you had to get to the Death Star plans. The saga films have to follow the Skywalkers. This film, I think, is going to be the defining film, at least when it comes to the new Star Wars film, that I think will really open up the universe. Interesting. Um, so... What do you think majorly, in your opinion, and then we'll go into the, the trailer itself and break it down. In your opinion, what were the ma- are, are the major reasons in the last two months, both in and out of the trailer, trailers themselves, where people are much more excited and seemingly open-minded about this than before? Um, Lando, hello. That I think Lando was the thing everyone was already excited for, even if, and I'm not just saying that, and I know how much you're in love with Dotto Glover, and you are not alone. I mean, he is an unbelievably charismatic guy. I said in our first podcast about this that I thought he would, you know, it would be basically a challenge for him not to steal every scene he's in. Um, I'm actually m- way more optimistic about the other characters at this point, which we'll get into. So I think Lando was the one thing, other than Chewie, that people felt confident about. It was Aaron I, Reich as as Han Solo and some of the other characters they weren't as positive about. I, I could be wrong. I have to say that Lando is the character that I find in my circles that everybody's looking forward to. Yep. Where with Ray, people were really looking forward to Ray and seeing what her story was, but we really didn't know that she was going to be quote unquote the Jedi main character of the story. With Lando, Chewie, and Han, we know how that dynamic is. And Everybody is looking forward to Lando. There's not one person that I know of that isn't looking forward to him. Guys, girls, young, old, they are, they are all looking forward to him. There's no criticism on him like there is on Han Solo. And in my circles with women fans, they are just like I am obsessed with him. He is a charismatic character, and I think that is going to help this film succeed and not to take anything away from Han Solo, Chewie, and the rest of the game. No, let's do this. Let's go down this rabbit hole about the Lando character. Let's do this. Let's talk about the three or four main characters, and then we'll jump into the trailer breakdown where we get more stuff from some of the secondary characters. We'll start with Lando. So, Billy D. Williams, as Lando Calrissian, in the 70s or early 80s, should have been... Um, an extremely stereotypical character, but the fact that he wasn't and he made it his own and at the same time was like a fan favorite from moment one, especially because he betrays and almost kills Han and everybody does redeem himself. Everybody loves Lando, the Lando comics. You're the expert on this. The Lando comics, which I have read actually are, are considered among the best of the newer comics. Um, at least I know a lot of hardcore fans that really like the story in the Lando comics. And on top of that, Billy D Williams has been lending his voice to everything from video games to cartoons, um, as Lando for a long time. And while I think it's, it's, it's debatable, bordering on inarguable, that the Lando episode of Rebels in Season 1 is one of the weirdest and possibly worst Rebels episode, even though I still enjoy it. Just the fact that he did it was great. Um, but I think people are ready for someone like Donald Glover to take over the reins of this a character that is transcendent to the actor, which is what Star Wars is all about. And I think Aaron Reich is a lot closer in people's minds than maybe in you know a couple weeks ago. But I will say, Jedi Geek Girl... And it's not just because he's a great smile and he's insanely good looking. The the uh, 
the comedic timing and just charisma and smoothness of Donald Glover, even when he's playing like a science nerd in The Martian, for example, a, a very different character, but you can already kind of sense it there. I mean, he's won a Grammy and been nominated for Grammys for music. His show Atlanta is one of the most acclaimed shows on television. He's literally good at everything and still comes off as eminently likable slash lovable and a fan favorite across all media. And I think we're so lucky to get him as Lando. I agree 100%. I know that I'm looking forward to exploring a bit more of his other performances, but right now I'm focusing focusing on the solo film and what he's doing in that film, but I am generally curious about his performance in other areas. Well, I I don't know if Atlanta is a show you would like. It's a sort of dark but quirky and funny... um, semi-comedy semi-drama about like wannabe rap stars in in atlanta um on fx that's won a ton of awards um and there's almost no way you won't like his music i mean if you like upbeat fun you know like you know uh r&b soul kind of stuff even just for like dance music it's it's uh childish gambino is great um and people i respect in the music industry who work with hip-hop artists really really like him and what he's done um so all of that is worth checking out. Obviously, his performance in The Martian is one of the best parts of that amazing movie. Um, and uh, he totally saves a day in that movie. Uh, that's all I'll say. No more spoilers in case you guys haven't seen The Martian. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was on Community, which is a beloved show um, that was on NBC for a bunch of years that was considered a show that nerds loved. And uh, he was certainly a part of that. If we may dive into the character of Lando for a second. I think one of the reasons why Lando is so beloved besides his charisma and his smoothness is his confidence. And basically in the original trilogy, he is a better Han Solo. He is a sharp man. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't quote unquote, and this is, I'm just saying this becomes soft and falls in love. I'm not saying Han Solo becomes soft, but he doesn't lose anything from his two appearances in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Not only that, but he talks back to Darth Vader, basically, and survives. So That's a good point. That right there tells you that he knows what he's doing. He's smart. He's confident. Like, you would not believe if you see his appearance in, like, Rebels or whatever, he's confident. He does not take no. And that is something where Han Solo failed a little bit. Even in this trailer, we see that lack of confidence or whatever. He is, Han Solo is not able to improvise like Lando. Lando is the character that I think guys wish they could be because as humans, we fail. And as we interact with people, or as we talk, we are unable to do it smoothly or without air. And when we see someone who capitalizes that, we automatically grow attached to them. Mm -hmm. And if you are attracted to them, you're automatically attracted to that. Yeah, I think he has that just boundless confidence of fake it till you make it that just never runs dry. And it's hard not to admire and respect that, right? Um, Which is part of it for me. Um, I also think he just, he, and this comes through a lot in Battlefront too, actually a campaign of just like, he just seems to have it figured out, you know, 
and like in, in, in when he's not in major crisis like with Darth Vader and Cloud City and Empire and that's why he's so taken aback other than realizing he screwed up and did the wrong thing and he has to have a change of heart and blah blah I mean even by the end of that movie he was helping them um, assuming Chewie didn't strangle him and Princess Leia didn't shoot up uh, you know he turns out to be in the, the good guys already by the end of that movie it's great that Lucas had that plan the whole time but yeah he just you know there you know there are just some people that just kind of you know like just saunter through life like they got it all figured out and some of them are full of shit and some of them are just kind of he's almost zen in a weird way right he's almost like i mean just the way donald glover we'll get into the trailer in a sec but like you know he says like you know everything you've heard about me is true and just the way he moves the insane confidence i mean is just yeah yeah i agree with you he's better in improvisation but i think han learns from him right i mean that in the in the second and third movies uh in return of the jedi in particular um we see a more sort of confident uh han uh improvising his, his way through things go ahead so what i was going to say is is bringing it into a real life situation when I talk about Lando and how Lando is, it shouldn't surprise you that because I'm attracted to him uh, because of his charisma, confidence, and ability to keep cool under pressure, that I would also be attracted to The Rock. The Rock capsulized the same thing. Dwayne Johnson, he has that confidence, that swagger, that the, ability the eyebrow to improvise, raise. <laughs> that confidence. Yeah, so... Yeah. There are real people like that. It's not just a character. Dwayne Johnson in real life has that about him. And yep. surprise, surprise, he's another crush of mine. But and yeah. a great smile too. So. Absolutely, I hear that. Uh, what does he call the champion's eyebrow? The the eyebrow the, race he does. The, the uh, people's the people. The people. Yeah. Eyebrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Totally. So, all right. Let's go through a couple of the other main characters, and then we'll jump into the um in, in, into the trailer um let's let's just get to Aaron Reich. i mean for whatever reason i must i think it's just people after the last trailer but then they let it set in and they watch the trailer a bunch more and we saw some interviews with him i think people were already coming around or at least wanting to come around to liking Aaron Reich as or at least accepting him as han solo but it, undoubtedly the two or three main comedic bits in the trailer which we're going to get to I think have contributed greatly to the skeptics of Star Wars coming around to his character. Uh, thoughts? I think people are generally going to be surprised when they see this film, how he pulls off the role. Even of what I have seen in the trailer so far of him, I don't think of Han Solo. I think he's going to own the role and he's going to make it his own, especially, and I'm hoping that we get more solo films, like a trilogy or a Lando spinoff. I think people will be generally surprised how well he does this film. Mm -hmm. Did you notice anything just with an objective eye between trailers that they did with stuff we saw of him that allowed people to kind of embrace him more and get more excited? Yeah. Um, there was more interaction with him and Chewie. Yes. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, Chewie's been kind of background for the, the, the new saga movies. And of course, he wasn't in Rogue One. And I, but I do think people wanted another great Chewie movie up front, like he was in Empire and Return of the Jedi. But it was completely going to be based on the chemistry between Ehrenreich and Chewie. And I think them having great chemistry, you know, with the comedic lines and with other stuff, sells both characters, if that makes sense. Like th- that, that chemistry needed to be there for us to get excited about both of those characters. I agree 100%. And we definitely got to see that in that trailer. We definitely got to see that original trilogy relationship between Han and Chewie in the trailer. And I think people are going to cling to that. It's something familiar mm-hmm. that they know and they recognize mm-hmm. that they will be able to get lost in. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's also to follow up on that question, a case of people wanting more Chewie, but not really realizing it because he's such a side character for the most part. I mean, Force Awakens, he does a lot, uh, relatively, but not compared to the original trilogy. So do you think maybe it was a case of people not thinking they wanted a lot more Chewie, but now they realize they want a lot more Chewie? I think it has to go... I think it has a lot to do with association. Like, when you think of Han Solo from the original trilogy, you always think of Chewbacca. If... You have Chewbacca and Han, you have that recognition, you have that familiarity. But if you separate Han from Chewie and you have a different person playing that character, it doesn't sit right. But once you put Chewbacca next to that character, you'd be like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is Han and Chewie. These are characters I know and I love. And when you see that interaction between them, you're like, okay, this is Han Solo and this is Chewbacca, even though it's two different actors playing them. Hmm. You know, I just had a thought about Last Jedi that again i haven't seen deleted scenes and behind the scenes yet but it would have been interesting if they had just given one or two short scenes on octo where ray was sort of where chewie was sort of being like a supportive therapist almost to ray about what was going on and she was like talking about for us being frustrated with luke and chewie was sort of telling her short little anecdotes um uh you know about luke in the old days um and he wasn't always like this i think because they have great chemistry chewie and ray obviously and he's super loyal to her already um but it, it would have been interesting i'm not saying this was a mistake or a problem because they had way too much else going on but do you think that might have been an interesting thing to kind of get a little bit more of or maybe we will in the future just sort of ray and chewie's bond because of han solo i think people overlook how important chewbacca is to Star, the Star Wars franchise, and it was wonderful that we got what we got of him in The Last Jedi, though it would have been nice to have more interactivity, but he is not the focus of that story, but I think, yeah, it, it would be nice if we got more of that personal relationship between Chewbacca and Rey, and I hope we get that in Episode Nine. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, let's run through maybe one more character and then we'll get into the trailer breakdown. And that is Amelia Clark, who I know we both love and are excited about uh, in this movie. Uh, it plays Kira. Kira. Um, man, when you see it spelled, it looks like a Klingon name. Um, thoughts about her in the new trailer and just in general, any new thoughts, hopes, expectations, things uh, about Amelia Clark's character, predictions for the, for the movie? She is a blank slate, so I don't really know what exactly to think about her. Mm-hmm. I am basically going into it with no expectations, not because it isn't nothing to expect, but because I want to experience her character 
fresh and without setting myself up for mm-hmm. some sort of expectation, I have to see more of her in the film. Okay. Because we don't know a lot about her, like we do the other three characters, it's really hard to get a grasp on her besides her wonderful sense of fashion. Yeah, they're definitely costuming the crap out of her. I do think... Um she looked pretty sinister with the way they framed her in the first trailer, and they're definitely trying to, um, uh, you know, her smiles were a little bit more, at least on the surface, she could be manipulating everything. I don't know enough about the character and what they're planning. Um, but they definitely tried to make her, you know, like Han a little bit more sort of smiley um, in, in just sort of a natural way, I thought, as brief as it was. Um, and just the way I thought, like, you know, in the final Avengers Infinity War trailer, they had Zoe Saldana's character Gamora, who's one of my favorite and one of the most underrated characters in Marvel, uh, narrate the whole first like minute about Thanos. And that was the best possible way to talk about Thanos. At the same time, I think Amelia Clark, you know, sort of semi-narrating part of, of the new trailer was a great way to learn more about the universe and about Han and everybody through her talking. Whereas, you know, you might think Han Solo would be the one that should narrate. I thought it was a great choice to have her be sort of the semi-narrator if that makes sense it does completely i thought it was a great way to open up the trailer and it definitely brings you into han solo's motivation Mm -hmm. obviously we know what han solo's motivation is from the original trilogy but this is a different era and i really hope that and i'm getting the vibe that it will be but i really hope her character is not overlooked in the film and that she's important to the plot because she is new to a world of legend, legacy characters. You know, Mm -hmm. Han, Solo, Lando, and Chewie, we know and we love these characters. And this is a new character. And I think she will hold her own. Mm -hmm. But I hope that she's able to live up to that expectation, if that makes any sense. Well, I think because of Game of Thrones... And people love Khaleesi and have for literally eight years now or whatever, and that she already has tons of goodwill from a lot of people, um, of film goers. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the last one, I won't linger on it. She was awesome as Sarah Connor in an otherwise mediocre Terminator movie. And the fact that they're recasting that franchise is like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because her, her, um, her work in that movie and her spectacular American accent, which she had to put on, which was flawless. A lot of young English actors and actresses have trouble with, um, and her toughness as Sarah Connor, as small as she is, um i think people have goodwill towards her and so i think if they give her cliched lines and she becomes obviously the bad guy and she's just sort of a one or two note manipulative you know female like semi love interest thing blah 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 people will feel kind of cheated and annoyed but i I don't think people will put it on her that would be a writing problem but i don't think that's gonna happen i don't think she will be the one to betray them Mm-hmm. But I just mean, right, but I'm saying even if she's just a one-note love interest or something, which you can already kind of tell she's not. Um, okay, let's just do this. Let us jump immediately in, and we're not going to go uh, do a frame-by-frame like we did last time, guys. We're, I'm just going to talk about uh, sort of the, the major beats um, and introductions of the characters and stuff like that. Um, I, I, yeah. Before we do, can we talk about the music? 
Yeah, well, that leads great in because the music from the beginning, which is sort of a funky Western remix thing going on, immediately got into it. If you guys watch my reaction on YouTube, both times I watched it, I'm like, I didn't realize at the time, I'm not like my head was bobbing. I was like moving all over the place. I love the music. I definitely do. I have it on right now and I'm listening to it. It's great how it starts off with that guitar and it's like its own theme. And then it evolves into a theme that we're familiar with, with Star Wars and I, I, I'm hoping that this will be a main feature of the solo film, that it will be like music that we haven't heard before with that familiarity of classical music, but with a bit of rock to it. Yeah. And even even when it gets very Hollywood blockbustery towards the end with the swelling strings, there's there, there's not a there aren't beats behind it the way there are in black panther i don't think that would ever work in a star wars movie like adding some light hip-hop to the classical music but there is sort of a driving beat that's still very um gets you kind of going towards the end you know it's hard to know how much if any of this music is going to be in the film but it certainly worked for the trailer i have to say that when it comes to the music for the trailers of the star wars film it seems like lucasfilm really knocks it out of the park it's just, it knocks it out of the park. It's a shame that they don't carry it over into the main movie because I remember thinking about that with the music of, I believe, the second trailer of Rogue One. Yeah. Um, People love that where, trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Where it had a theme that wasn't in the main film that you could really listen to if it was really longer. Like, I wanted to listen to it over and over again, but it was only like a minute and a half. I'm like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind listening to this four minute piece music, but. Yep. You know? And I think, you know. Star Wars, because it's Star Wars, has to go the extra mile on stuff and gets more criticism, blah, blah, blah. But Star Wars, because it's Star Wars, could also get away with things in ways other movies don't, like the very dramatic music in the Rogue One trailer and the end of this trailer would maybe be criticized in other uh, movie trailers as being you know, kind of trite and predictable. But because it's Rogue One and Han Solo, it's, you, you want that. But on top of it, we know that we're getting amazing scores. Now, I'm, I know I'm in the minority. I think the Rogue One score, other than the main theme, which, is, which isn't very good, but the rest of the Rogue One score, I would put up against Force Awakens. I think Episode Eight is the best of the new movies. I think Last Jedi is the best of the soundtracks of the new movies. But other than Ray's theme, which is probably my favorite Star Wars theme ever now, if you take out Ray's theme from Episode 7, which is tough, I think Rogue One is, is close, um, e- even though it's not John Williams. So I don't think, I mean, yeah, this is going to be great. I know uh, John Williams is retiring uh, from, I think, in general, right, after these movies? Um, yeah, Episode 9, I think, might be his, I know it's his last Star Wars film, but... Mm-hmm. It might be his last film at all because he's what, like eighty eight. It yeah, he's he's very close to ninety, if not ninety yet. You know, people call him the master, and I couldn't think of a more fitting nickname to anybody because sidetrack here for like thirty seconds. Yeah, the music that he has done in the film industry, from Indiana Jones to Superman to Harry Potter to Star Wars, you name it. There is no other modern day musician that has done so much for film i i I love him and he's going to be missed although it should be mentioned john powell is doing the music for um uh for han solo which is fine um but 
Yeah. Yeah, but we're sidetracking off my love for. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to compliment him by saying, I am a big fan of some or even a lot of the work Hans Zimmer does, which is way more experimental and modern sounding. He too has scored, uh, you know, dozens of some of the best movies in the last 30, 40, 50 years. But it's like John Williams is at the top, and then there's a pretty significant drop off to Hans Zimmer, who I would put second. And then there's a massive drop off, in my opinion to everybody else um i i agree with you 100 percent. yeah so um and i'm not worried just like i wasn't worried about the soundtrack in um uh rogue one like krennic's theme for example one of my faves love krennic's theme um i'm not worried about the music in this movie i do hope they do follow the firefly mold i mean the firefly series but even the serenity movie which had a full orchestral score had a lot of like banjo and old school guitar worked in. I don't think they're going to do that for, for this because it's a Star Wars movie, but I would not be averse to it after hearing that opening scene. Why don't we just jump in here for a few minutes and talk about it since we're talking about the music? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready whenever you so, are. So, you know, one thing I forgot to, to uh, mark, Jedi Geek Girl, is when the music changes because it changes twice and it's so seamless that each time I like forget to like make a conscious mark of it, but it definitely is still there. So we start with the construction yard of the Star Destroyer, which I needed to watch like 12 times to see because it's so dark, but they're definitely building a Star Destroyer. Um, at the beginning, we then see a very Rogue One jail cell shot with the sort of round slits into him in prison um there's a nice callback to to Jin in the prison vehicle at the beginning but then immediately it becomes han solo as amelia's narration starts she says you're after something you're after something is it revenge money Or is it something else? She says, is it revenge? Is it money? Is it something else? But at around 10 or 11 seconds, you see the Western shootout, like, ready to go. You see two holster shots. He, like, clicks, uses his thumb to very subtly click open the holster because he's on solo. He's going to try and get the advantage. He doesn't want to die against a guy who still looks like Kylo Ren a little bit to me. Um what did you think about um, just the sort of setup of that whole Western scene? Um, and uh, you don't have to answer this now, but I would like to begin the discussion at one point about who the hell this masked guy is. So first thing first, at 13 seconds, the character that you are seeing is that is actually a woman. It's not a man. Oh, cool. The droid's a woman too, by the way. Sorry to sidetrack, but Lando's droid seems to be female, which is really cool. And she is leading a gang of people that has roots to legends that was featured in the original Marvel comic series. So they are pulling from the Legends universe. Obviously, the story might not be the same, but that is who this character is and who mm-hmm. she's leading. She's leading, she's leading a gang. We don't really know what the setup is going to be for the story, but at least we have an idea of who this character is and what the game. Unfortunately, right now, the name of the game escapes me because Star Wars and pronunciation doesn't really go well with me, but basically that is who that is. And to go back to your question to the Western theme, I think I like it because it's fresh and it's new. You have to be really careful because 
this is Star Wars and you don't want to make it too unfamiliar with mm-hmm. Star Wars. But I think that right now they're doing a good job of blending it. Yeah. Um, I was trying to find the name, too. I cannot find the name of the character. Man, we got another female bad guy. I was going to say I hope she's better than Phasma, but uh, that's not going to be hard. Roasted! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Phasma lovers out there. I still don't understand the point of that character. Whatever, that's for another time. Uh, So hopefully this one will be more interesting and cool. Um, So then around... um, as Amelia is still tar- uh, Kira is still talking, we see Lando like almost immediately in these very quick shots of his sort of underground sketchy casino, and they say all in, and they push the money, you know, on the table, whatever. Um, and then we finally see Amelia Clark looking uh, gorgeous, saying, "You look good." Uh, a little rough around the edges with that, with a very cute smile, and he smiles cutely back at her. Yeah, I'm convinced they're going to have great chemistry. I could already see it on screen. Um, well, like I didn't see it coming with with Jin and Cassian until the movie. This already seems like they have great, um, just physical. I'm not saying sexual. I'm saying physical chemistry is important. You know. Oh yeah, and we and we already know that their relationship, their friendship, goes all the way back to childhood. We see that in the beginning of the trailer with them doing a kind of like a drag race with the speeder, and we know this in the upcoming novel too. So. These characters know each other, so of course they should have good chemistry and familiarity. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying the actors do, which you, you can't guarantee, you know, even with two good actors. So that's if that'll make the movie even better. Then we come across Woody Harrelson's character, Tobias Beckett, which really sounds like a Firefly character or a Star Trek character. That's cool. Um, and, you know, he's the guy promising the job. And it's like, you know, if he ends up being the bad guy, it's like a it could go either way with his character. You know, like, so there's no reason for them to try and pull a bait and switch with us. You know, I always credit, by the way, Star Wars for not hiding who the villains are because it's way more important about how the villains are portrayed and the actors and the performance and how scary and weird and bizarre and evil they are whether it's Krennic or Vader or Palpatine or Kylo or Snoke right they they, they rarely hide the villain the way a lot of movies do Um, which I think is smart because that's like one of the least interesting twists to me in movies is unless it's Loki and that's like the point of Loki's characters you never know um, then I I, kind of you know i i'm ho- what, but in this case i don't really care i'll throw it to you if you think woody harrelson's character is a villain if you don't think so if you care thoughts i think there's going to be some sort of betrayal which as you previously mentioned is new to star wars and yes it can be a tired trope but as it relates to star wars we haven't seen it and i'm okay with it especially given the setting of this film with it being a heist movie there has to be some sort of betrayal i mean it doesn't really have to be but i think it would be nice to have it included in the film and i think beckett is probably the best choice to have that betrayal but i heard listening to another podcast that they thought that han was going to be betrayed by everybody excluding probably chewy and maybe well, he Lando, can't. But. He can't be fully betrayed by Lando, or else he wouldn't have trusted him. I mean, no, he claims no, not to trust him in Cloud City, but he trusts him enough to lower his guard. So, Lando, if Lando is involved, then it will be unwittingly. I think is my is my opinion. Well, when I say everybody, and I'm sure that this person who was talking about it on the podcast that I was listening to, they were probably talking about characters who 
we know have no interaction with Han Solo after this film. I think they were talking about Beckett, Val, and a couple other characters. Okay, maybe, so but. we lead in, you know, he uh, then uh, Tobias Beckett says, I got a job, big shot gangster. We see Paul Bettany's character. It's really a shame Paul Bettany had to replace Michael K. Williams, who was originally supposed to play that role, because that type of role is is built for Michael K. Williams. Um, so, whatever. It's fine. I love Paul Bettany. I don't love the makeup on him, and that's probably the only visual thing I don't like in the two trailers, is Paul Bettany's look, but it's so brief. We'll have to see why he looks like that, or, or whatever, but it looks a little bit like shoddy Star Trek makeup to me. But again, super fast. Any thoughts about Paul Bettany's character, Dryden Voss? No. Um, we, as far as I know, we know nothing about him besides what I see in this trailer. At least me personally, I just have, I don't really have any thoughts right now. I do, I am curious about how his face got damaged. I wonder if that is something that we see in the film or if it's something that he had before this film took place. Uh, okay, we'll skip forward a little bit. So then we see some more great drag racing. I'm a driver. I'm a flyer. He says, I'm a driver. I'm a flyer. I love that he calls himself a, pi- a flyer and not a pilot. We know that he's a racer. Um, you know, I mean, he's been racing things forever. And, you know, that like that goes I that goes back to the legends. Right. But that's even established in the new canon. As far as I'm aware, there is no racing in his legend story. I may be wrong on that. But as far as what I know and what I have read, the l- racing thing is strictly. Sure new to canon but i mean look even if we had only had literally only had the original trilogy with no legends and nothing afterwards it would totally fit with that han solo that he would grow up like a space drag racer essentially right i mean that's how he that's how he conducts himself uh so that totally works for me we know from bloodline for sure he was racing even you know when he was supposedly married to leia and he was much older he was running a racing team or whatever um so uh so i love that um, and then he's escaping from some in some sort of shuttle from an exploding mountain area. Um, I'm not really sure. But then I they, we get some great Firefly stuff where it's like Western around the campfire, cleaning the guns, throws him the DL-44. Oh, man. Uh, I think that's a DL-44. You, of course, will know this from, from Destiny. What I have heard is that, yeah, it is a DL-44. I thought the DL-44 was a little bit bigger, but yeah, it is a DL-44. That's a, that's a big, that's big for a pistol. I mean, and how great is it? I mean, because of course I remember the DL from playing, um, you know, Jin and Sabine so much in the game. I remember, uh, like, it's so powerful, but so inaccurate. It completely works for Han Solo because you know he's like the guy that can make it you know accurate um and not just an unwieldy giant pistol with a scope which is awesome um so uh you know and then we get the first chewy moment where he very subtle i didn't catch on my first watching what do you think well what do you know he goes what do you think i can't do a good uh i can't do a good wookie uh and then and then comes a very subtle bit from aaron reich and this is why i think he's gonna nail it Because his response to Chewie, he says, what do you, it sounds like he's saying, what do you know? 
but if you listen closely, he actually says, what do you know? Like they've had this conversation before and he's used to Chewie being the, the cynic and the skeptic. Like, what do you know? And the fact that I can't tell between the two is just a great delivery touch by Ehrenreich. And that to me feels like a Ron Howard thing. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, Lord and Miller comedy in the two trailers, but that particular little subtle exchange there, which is so important in selling characters relationship to me, but who, I don't even care. I, I love that moment. Um, yeah. I have to say that when we first see this moment between Han and Chewie, this is what I was talking about. This right here is the relationship that we are familiar with as Star Wars fans, especially of those of us who love and adore the original trilogy. This this is Han and Chewie, their relationship. And it perfectly captures that, which I think was important to have in the trailer because, like I previously mentioned, association with something familiar is more you're more open to new if you're familiar with something that we know and and, and something i wanted to mention in general um as, as we continue through the trailer is i think it's important for final trailers for all great like star wars and comic book movies to be sort of origin trailers in the sense of setting up some of the relationships in the movie like for example they're always people are so worried and studios should be worried about how many spoilers are in trailers right but my whole thing is like just show us a good chunk of the of cool stuff in the first quarter to third and then you can very briefly tease things later because we're going to sit through the first quarter and the third assuming that we are interested in these relationships in the first place so like just a quick example um because i'm working on the commentary right now jedi geek girls wonder woman they released like three Wonder Woman trailers over a year, all of which were just big over the top DC comics, you know, like special effects insanity where it was just showcasing how cool it looked and how cool she was. But for the final trailer, we it starts with young little Diana and it starts telling us the origin story of Diana Prince and working into adulthood. And it takes us right to the cusp of World War One, which is when things get great. But you know what I mean? But like, I felt like I was getting invested in the character already and the fact that they build the relationship with chewy sort of chronologically over the trailer does that make sense like I, that really worked for me i definitely see where you're coming from yeah and, and we'll get to that because um you know i mean and just to make that connection even though i'll probably gonna start jumping around a little bit um you know because we see him okay so they go <laughs> they go to meet led though uh and uh you know anorex just like I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. And then Lando leaning back and like slowly grabbing his drink goes, everything you've heard about me is true. <laughs> I definitely have to say that I want that drink pour. Oh, the one yeah. that yeah. pours two different fluids. But the no look that he does, where he doesn't even look at it, and he just knows what it's going to... I mean, it's just great, you know? You know you know what that reminds me of? Hmm. That reminds me of the confidence Han Solo has in The Force Awakens when he shoots without looking. Yes, yeah, it's the no look. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that swagger that we are talking about. He doesn't have to worry about missing because he knows he's confident. He's yep. smooth. Um, and of course, and Chewie laughs at it. So we already know Chewie kind of thinks Lando's funny, which is great. Um, and, 
and then we've got the sassy female droid with sort of K2 vibes, which I'm totally down for. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? That was, that was a very Rogue One moment for me when they were like, who are these guys? Okay, let's do this team. Like a bunch of wacky people coming together to do a mission. So I start getting chills there. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait till this mission actually happens in the movie. Um, and then we see them see the Falcon for the first time, apparently, and how clean the inside is and brightly lit. And you could just imagine over the course of 10 debaucherous years of barely surviving, it just gets dirtier and more and more lights goes out and he either is too lazy or doesn't have the money to replace the lighting. I just, I think it's great. So what Han Solo does to the Millennium Falcon besides neglecting neglecting it is he does a lot of mod- modifications to it too so so okay we'll run through the rest here uh we got an extended train scene my note here is when do we think this is happening i think personally i think this is in the middle of the film i don't think this is the climax of the film i think this is the first mission that the team has to get it and i think that we're not what we have seen what we have seen so far in the trailers, I don't think we have seen much, if of anything, of the climax. I think maybe the space chase could be towards the end. But we know that they are going to what's the name of that planet? Um from Legend. But we know that they are going there. And I think that is going to be the climax. You know what planet I'm talking about, right? Uh maybe I don't know. We'll have to get I'll back pull to it up. Go yeah. ahead. So then we got Lando at the wheel, which I was hoping to get in the first trailer. We get it twice here with Lando at the wheel. He starts clicking the things. He looks back at Han Solo. He goes, you might want to buckle up, baby. You might want to buckle up, baby. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, God. Uh, and, uh, okay. And then, and then Woody Harrelson gives the foreboding. Let me give some advice. Let me give you some advice. We assume everyone will betray you. And you will never be disappointed. Assume everyone will betray you and you'll never be disappointed. Of course, they show all the major characters while Woody's saying that, you know. So it's like, could it be this person? Could it be that person? Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, and then, um, I mean, they definitely linger on Kira and Lando in particular when she, he's saying that. And then we see Tandi Newton, who I still don't know where they're going with Tandi Newton's character, but I'm very excited. She's using something. If you guys have played uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, she's using this big crossbow thing that's like a rope caster that you use to like tie down giant machines and stuff like that looks amazing uh and then you get the then you get the uh, the hot solo reversal where he goes i got a really good feeling about this <laughs> and i think the fact that we got in a trailer that if you expect everybody to betray you you will never be disappointment i think that right there says that some sort of betrayal is going to happen it's definitely gonna happen think, but the question yeah. is is it going to be a conspiracy betrayal or is it going to be like a betrayal with Benicio del Toro and um, last Jedi where he could go either way. And then when his life's at risk, that's when he betrays them for good. He wasn't necessarily planning it the whole time. It depends how you interpret it. You know what I mean? Like, I hope it's not a conspiracy betrayal where they're just set up from the beginning, but, but I could get on board with that if it's done well, obviously. It is definitely something that you have to be smart about pulling off because you don't want it to seem, you know, meaningless. Yeah. Well, you also want to see flawed if they become villains, whether it's Kira or whoever. You want it to be because they're flawed and greedy or whatever, but 
that, you know, but but have a good side maybe and just couldn't resist, you know, the money or the power or whatever. I, I would prefer that. But I, I again, with Ron Howard's direction and this just universe, like I could go either way with with the bad guys. The, the, the revelation of who is bad and how bad they are in this movie, Jedi Geek Girl, is like the least of my concerns in terms of what I'm looking forward to. So something that I saw in a trailer, and I'm trying to find it again, but it's really hard to nail. But about the, oh, there we go, the one thirty mark, we see a ATST, a early model. Yes. Yep. It gets dropped down. I think right. It just sort of yeah. Yeah. Which is something very interesting to see because, mm-hmm. you know, the Empire is developing the technology and I love seeing these in the middle technologies, yes. kind of like what we got in the prequel trilogy with vehicles that we are familiar with, but, you know, the older models and we see a bit of action there. And I wonder if this is on Kessel. Because that planet doesn't have no snow. Yeah. I mean, who like knows? Honestly, we're, we're just... We're just you know, shooting in the dark here with the, with the, you know, it's hard to know which is which planet. I mean, there were at least two major planets in Rogue One that we had no idea existed, even though when you go back, you can see like Edu and some of the other planets you can see in the trailer, but we had no idea where the hell they were. Um, so, so quick fact here, quick fact that Edu is actually a planet that was from the Legends universe. I found that in a book I read, so... Yeah, I I, I think that... You, I mean, I don't think they've even been hiding it with... Even in Clone Wars and Rebels. I mean, again, I mean, I, I, you know, to me, like, the coolest sort of mytho- mythological stuff uh, that they sort of came out of nowhere and then I learned was from, you know, Old Republic literature was... Um, uh, not Mortis. Where's, where's the planet they go with... Um, with, that's like a 3,000-year-old battle between Sith and Jedi with, I think, with Maul. Is that the one? Or was is it with Ahsoka? Um, yes. Um, oh, no, that's, that's, that's Twilight no, of the that's Apprentice. Not, that's Twilight yeah, of the Apprentice. Yeah, that's not Mandalore. It's a different planet. No, no. It's called... Um, uh, why am I forgetting about that? Anyways, that planet is like super crucial in the old, old you know, in the Legends literature, the the Knights of the Old Republic stuff. And I didn't know it when I saw it, but I was immediately attracted to attracted to it because I love the fan, fantasy elements, obviously. So I love that they're drawing from all this stuff. I'm sure they have for this movie, and they will continue doing so. And that's great because there's so much great material that was published during the Legends time that even if you just take the best ten percent of the best stuff, that's like you know, dozens of books. I'm not dozens of books, but like dozens of great stories and elements, right? I mean, so I'm glad they're doing it. And then finally, before the sort of final action and swelling music, we get the... When do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Since when do you know how to fly? And then, uh, you know, in typical Star Wars Chewy humor, the less he says, the more he says. So he like barely grunts. <laughs> and then Han Solo goes... 190 years old you look great and it's not just the line or even the delivery it's the pause between the the, the saying it and the realization of what that means and his looking back at Chewie and having like infinitely more respect for him in that moment right so I have to say and I'm going to pull a bizzle here for a second but what I love most about this moment is it tells you exactly when the film takes place because we know that Chewbacca is 200 years old in A New Hope. Knowing that this film takes place 10 years before A New Hope is wonderful because I like to know when 
things take place because I have this obsession of having a timeline. But 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 knowing that it takes ten years, did takes place ten years before A New Hope. I'm hoping, and I said this before, that we get more films featuring this character, featuring these characters, because I do think that once we see this film that a trilogy is possible. So, yeah, after, after that great line, which to me, Jedi Geek Girl, like, I was already in on the trailer, but that's the line that, like, locks it up. And I think that's the line that is people are like, okay, this guy can pull off Han Solo, and we're gonna lo- we're gonna like it, at least, if not love it. And then some great action stuff at the end, with, like, you know, like, snowtroopers, I'm calling them, on the train or whatever. So, uh, yeah, um, final thoughts on, on the trailer itself, and then we'll do our, our predictions for the movie. Well, yeah, I have two things I wanted to say. The first thing is, is after watching this trailer, this film looks like an action film. Not mm-hmm. that Star Wars doesn't have action in it, but it looks like this film is going to be nonstop action, except those, you know, character-building right. moments, because it seems like there are so many different battle scenes. We see the train. We know that they're going to be on Kessel. We see the spaceship. We see when he does his drag racing. It, it, to me, it seems like this is going to be the action movie of the Star Wars franchise to date. Which would look, which is a tricky balance. You know, there are people that complain there was too much action in Rogue One. There are people that complain all the action was at the end, even though there's like epic battles in both Jedi and dope X-Wing stuff on Edo. Um, you know, there's constant action in Rogue One. I, you know, it just depends how you view the movie. But, you know, some people are going to want more. Some people are going to want less. And that's fine. That's just the nature of the business. I agree with you that it's going to be action-packed, but it's going to be more in the Indiana Jones, Han Solo, uh, slash, like, mob underworld adventure type. You know, I mean, let's basically put it this way. It's going to be more like the Han Solo adventure type action I talk about all the time, as opposed to, like, a military straight-up war movie like Rogue One, and I think that's what they're going for, and I think that's great. And we obviously have to talk about the huge creature from these last couple of trailers, there is speculation that the creature that we are seeing is actually a pergil. Do you think that is possible? Sure. I, mean, I have no idea, but I'd be down, I'd be down for it. It's going gonna, gonna to make me cry if that happens, because it's going to remind me of the end of Star Wars Rebels. Spoiler alert. If, if it is a pergil, it would definitely bring everything around and show that this is a... a universe because yes it's nice to have new creatures and new worlds and new aliens but this is one giant universe that there has to be some sort of crossover that i think is missing in the sequel trilogy with this alien lineup like there's no trilix there's no wallace man you, you know what i'm saying there's no familiar aliens and that is okay if you introduce new ones but you have to have that sense of okay, this is all the same universe with the background and stuff like that. So I'm hoping it's a pergil. So um, what are the chance? Do you mind if we just head into sort of the final predictions thoughts here? Go for it. Chances Darth Vader's in this movie. I think, let me tell you mine. 5%. I think very low because it would cheapen the fact that it was like one of people's, if not people's favorite part of Rogue One. Like even people who didn't love Rogue One loved the Vader stuff and it would kind of cheapen it a little bit. Um, And it's really unnecessary to be frank. Can, Can I make my prediction? Yep. 
I think we are going to get a guest spot. I think the guest spot for this movie is going to be an Imperial that we know. Like maybe Yulon, maybe Tarkin, I doubt it, but somebody in the Imperial Navy. I mean, it could be Krennic, honestly. I it mean, could be, Krennic could is be Krennic, right. This is right in the middle of the Catalyst book. Uh, well, no, it's. Wait, 10 years no. before? No, Jin would already be on the run as like a young teenager at this point. So. It could definitely be Krennic working his way up the Imperial ladder. And like, well, yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is Krennic is in research and development. He's not in the Navy portion of it. So it would have to be, like I said, somebody in the Navy. Right. But I'm saying logistically, Krennic is a great modern Star Wars bad guy that everyone knows that just two minutes of for connective tissue. Um, you know, I mean, he could literally be with the emperor. I mean, look, we could see Palp. We could see Palpy. Mm-hmm. I could see Palpy. I doubt it. I really doubt or it. Or like I, on I the think... old school hologram. Of I mean, look, he came back for Rebels. Maybe he's doing some more work in, in Hollywood. I'm just saying. I think we are going to get Yulon. I think we're going to get him. Just realize that that character is only important to major Star Wars nerds. Yeah, uh, for those who do not know who Yulon is, he is the guy in the Death Star scene with the right facial hair. He was all, he all, he served under Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars and he's been on Rebels, so. Right. No, but what I'm saying is, that would only be, that's, that's like borderline Easter egg. I'm talking about people that mainstream audiences or just like mainstream Star Wars fans would get at least a little excited about. I'm not saying you learn it's not a cool character. It wouldn't be cool for us. I'm just talking about, you know, someone maybe not on the level of Vader, but just someone who could appear that audiences would get stoked for. I can definitely agree with that. Yep. Um, and, and look, if the Star Destroyers are in their sort of early phase of the new Star Destroyer development, I mean, that's research. That could be Krennic. I'm not saying I want or need Krennic. I'm just trying to think of other examples here. Um, so actually, I mean, Galen Urso would be there at this point, timeline wise. He, his wife had been killed. Jin went with Saw. Galen is, you know, works for what? 20 years almost? Like once Krennic finds him on the, on their planet. So who knows? For for about like 10 years, maybe seven, but he's on Edu. I highly doubt he went went off Edu. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess Jin was supposed to be like 10 or 12. So Jin went on the run when she was 16 years old. Uh, Rogue One takes place when she's 20, 21. Right, no, well, 21 no, no. She went on the run on her own when she was 16 years old, but she was with Saw from the time she was 8 or 10 until then. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, you know, like I thought that they were going to wait a long time to release the final trailer and hide a lot of stuff from us. And we talked about this specifically to temper people's expectations and then get them really excited. And the fact that people are this excited with the amount of insane advanced ticket sales for Infinity War and the fact that that movie is going to make like $3 billion, people are still excited for Solo. I actually think it works in its favor that it's three weeks after Infinity War because... Infinity War is going to be so over the top and so draining that we're going to want like a fun, a somewhat smaller scale Star Wars adventure story would be my final thought. And I hope that's how it plays out. And there's really no good summer blockbusters. I mean, there's literally nothing. 
And Star Wars tends to operate like a Disney movie financially, which is that it's out for a very long time and makes a good amount of money for two to three months as opposed to making all their money in the beginning. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who are waiting with their kids to see Han Solo until mid-end of June when they're out of school. So I think it's going to have a long lifespan. And I hope if it doesn't have a you know biggest opening weekend ever, people don't overreact. Of course they will. Although they're projecting a near Rogue One 150 million opening weekend which i think is a little ambitious personally rogue one came out at christmas against nothing um but hey i would be thrilled with that and it just shows you the strength of the star wars brand so i will throw it to you for final thoughts predictions anything you want i have to say and i have said this before and i'm going to keep saying this over and over again but i think people are going to be generally surprised how much they like this film this is going to be a fun film that you can go in without any expectations and baggage and enjoy yourself because it's han solo it's everything that we know it doesn't conform to anything that we know it's just it's going to be fun and i really hope that your more rigid fans will be able to enjoy this film because I, I'm so sick and tired of the negativity, but mm. Lando, oh my God, <laughs> give me more Lando, please, <laughs> spin-off, please give us a spin-off. Uh, it's called Empire Strikes Back. Uh, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we are getting him in his own comic series, another comic series, and we are getting him in Last Shot, and I have heard good things about Last Shot, so I recommend if you, uh, if you are a book connoisseur, that you do pick it up, if you would pick it up and read it, because I think you will be surprised at how you enjoy it. I have not read it yet, but I'm going to pick it up Tuesday, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> Star Wars is continuing the tradition of having their stars diverse, charismatic, funny, cool, and extremely attractive. (laughs) As you pointed out at the beginning of our last Jedi commentary, we never really followed up, which is fine because it's obvious how attractive the whole cast is. Um, Yeah, it's like whenever we do a commentary, it's just going to be me talking about how beautiful people are. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm cool with that. Because look, in my book... The three coolest female superheroes ever are still Rey, Leia, and Jin for me. So, as much as I love the Marvel characters, I include Star Wars in the superhero genre when it comes to their characters, and those three are still the best. And then on the men's side, you got Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Lando. I mean, come on. It's an embarrassment of riches. It's looking more and more like the casting of this movie is spot on. And uh, I just hope they let Aaron Reich really strut. And I like that they're revealing slowly to us. And not, I mean, how, how disappointing would it be if they gave away like all of his great lines in the trailers? Like, we don't want to see that, right? Um, so, and I think Last Jedi trailer uh, did a good job of, of revealing a decent amount of plot, but saving a lot of the surprise and stuff like that. And so I think that's what they're doing here. So thank you again to Kathleen Kennedy and everybody at Lucasfilm for giving us all this great stuff when I'm generally cynical about blockbuster movies um, and just the entertainment business in general. Um, so unless you have anything else to say uh, and you'll promote your stuff, Jedi Geek Girl, um, I think it's safe to say our next solo podcast will be after the movie, but I, 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 I would be great to do um, one in the... Um, uh, it, it, the next chapter of um, the lore cast in the meantime. I'll have to brainstorm ideas. If you guys out there have anything you want us to talk about, please hit me up on Facebook or Twitter um, or Jedi Geek Girl. We'll talk about that. Go ahead. 
I have to say that it's hard to believe that this is the fourth Star Wars film in three years. Three, two, yeah, three years. Two to and me, a half. it seems like two yeah, and a half. it seems like it seems like the time flew by. And yeah. while I am excited for this film, unfortunately, due to how society is, yep. I am looking forward to what's next. I do think, and it's still a little bit off topic of the solo, but I do think that within the next three months or six months that we are going to get that lineup of the next film for the next five years. And I am totally looking forward to solo, but I'm craving that news because we knew what the schedule was going to be for these series of film for like the last four years. And we know nothing besides episode nine and a couple of projects that we don't know anything about outside of that. We don't know what the schedule is. And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a very exciting time and it's going to be a lot for us to talk about here on the Bizzles cast. Yes. Although I will say, I just had this thought. Now that you know they've gotten their first major new trilogy out of the way, and we've had three full Star Wars trilogies, or will have at the end of next year, and now we have two new trilogies coming out, it seems like, I would be okay with them not revealing the full slate up front, at least not for both of them, especially because they've got the Game of Thrones guys doing one of the trilogies, and Game of Thrones, like the books, is very episodic season to season, even if it's all a united story. So like they've already told us these are going to be trilogies, but I would be fine being like, here are the three trilogies. Here's exactly when they're coming out. Here's what they're going to be about. Does that make sense? Like I would be fine with that. Um, holding stuff back. So when I talk about information, I would like to have, it's not really necessarily the plot or the setting. Oh yeah. No, this wasn't, this wasn't a response to you. Sorry. This was not a response to what you just said. I'm just had the thought of, it would be cool if we get what we know to be trilogies, but they don't, we knew like seven, eight and nine were going to happen and relatively what it was about with the old cast past. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd be cool with more mystery. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. What, what, What I would like to know is I would like to know, Hey, we're going to have one film in 2020. We're going to have two in 2021. It doesn't really have to indicate what film they are. It would be nice to know when we are getting the next Star Wars film, not necessarily what they are about, just so we have something to look forward to. Totally. And unfortunately, I feel like to bring it into real world perspective that unfortunately we look past ourselves and always looking to the future as Yoda says to Luke, instead of experiencing the here and the now. But Han Solo is fast approaching and i cannot wait like i said lando oh my god um yeah i i this is going to be a really fun film and if you are a cynic which i highly doubt if you're listening to the bizzle cast i think you're really going to enjoy this film if you just let go because there's nothing for you to hold on to oh if you're that's a great point if you're a truly cynical person then you will be immediately disgusted by me <laughs> like i'm i'm a very practical pragmatic person but i'm also very relatively uncynical and not negative and i don't know why i am constantly feeling you're in this boat too we have to be telling everybody to constantly stop being cynical and that's part of the problem we can't just blame politicians and the media which i mean we can blame them but we also need to look at ourselves and stop being so cynical about what humanity is capable of and as you said um and i'll I'll throw it back to you for your um promotion stuff about sort of the um living in the now and i think you and i uh and the people have been on my show and you know 
know, people that we like and listen to and talk to have mostly been embracing that with Star Wars. Because if you're not, you're not really following the philosophy of Star Wars, which is exactly living in the now. So sorry to interrupt. Go, you can go ahead and finish up. I definitely have to say that it's nice conversing with you and talking Star Wars because we are able to put our differences aside and disagreements about certain things in a Star Wars, but we can come together and talk about what we are excited for. And you are a wonderful, nice person to talk to that isn't cynical, except when it comes to the prequels. But, you know, we all love and just love other things. And, you know, sometime, eventually, I'll make you sit down and watch those films again. Um, and in loosely connected news that I'm very excited about that just was released yesterday, they, they've pushed uh, Mulan uh, back till next year, but Donnie Yen confirmed Chirrut himself is going to be Mulan's mentor and, and sort of guru in martial arts, and Jet Li is going to be in it. So goddamn, Disney keeps making all the movies I want to see with the female superheroes. I have to say, a little bit off topic, but I watched that film, the animated version, a year or two ago, and I'm looking forward to seeing a live-action film because, yeah, it's definitely an ageless story. Yeah, and it was way ahead of its time in terms of how sensitively it treated its characters and uh, the subject material, actually. Um, So, cool. Welp. Rebellions are built on hope. The force is strong and Ahsoka lives. Goddamn life is good. Jedi Geek Girl. Thank you for having me on. If you would like to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Jedi Geek Girl or you can send me an email at iRebelDestiny at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. We'll brainstorm ideas for the next podcast. I think we keep wanting to do Ahsoka podcast, so maybe that's what'll happen. Yeah, I know that. I'm Why are really... there Ahsoka comic books, by the way? So I was actually thinking that I was thinking about the Sabine and Ahsoka story, and I was thinking that people wanted to be an animated series, but I think the best way to go, and I love Ahsoka, I really do, I want to see more of her on screen, but I think what they could do is they could do a series of books on Sabine and Ahsoka that it's like a fantasy where they go on an adventure, you know, they're looking for Ezra and they can explore the universe. And I think because David has took Ahsoka and kind of put a fantasy overlay on her, if, if I may use that terminology, I think that would be interesting to have that as a series of books. Could you imagine following Ahsoka and Sabine on this journey of exploration looking for Ezra. I think that would be perfect for a book series. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Ahsoka on screen again, but I think that that format and that story would be the best way to go. Yeah. Except (laughs) I still want her to be in either the Obi-Wan movie, if that ever happens, and or episode nine. But that's for another time. So thank you. why, Why not both? Why not both? I said Andor. I said Andor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I want it. Give it to us. You know, she, I mean, look, and then we really have to end. She is the most popular new Karen and character overall among all the ages. Ray is very close, but I feel like there's like a worshipfulness of Ahsoka. Um, and they have to be silly. And you brought this up actually. Oh God, I can't believe we're doing the Ahsoka stuff. Now you brought this up in one of our podcasts um, where you said, 
you basically said from like a financial standpoint, or you hinted at this, just from a financial and fan standpoint, they have to at least be considering it, considering how many people they love her, but they can't give her the biggest stage unless it's a movie, right? I have to say that, as I previously mentioned before, that I believe she is the only character that was introduced in a non-film franchise that I think could handle her own film without any extra support. Yep. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Jedi Geek Girl. This was great. Um, if I put special effects in, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if I didn't have time to, then I promise that'll happen soon. We are also working on a new uh, theme music t- to follow the Bizzle intro for our Lorecast series. So Jedi Geek Girl is going to be brainstorming that with me. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, Jedi Geek Girl. Thank you out there. And for now, the Bizzlecast is out.